It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Talk radio, live from Westminster. I think there's a clear warning there. Get up to the minute news flashes, instant reaction and expert analysis from some of the biggest names in Westminster. What's next? Order! Talk radio, live from Westminster. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham live on College Green right here in Westminster at the heart of what used to be called democracy. Prime Minister Boris Johnson is still on a plane but in 90 minutes time Parliament will be open for business once more but what exactly are they going to do? Yesterday John Burko the Speaker could barely contain his pomposity as he declared that as a result of the Supreme Court decision he had instructed his minions to resume Parliament not recall it because apparently what happened over the past week never actually happened. This morning we will bring you every step, every manoeuvre, Every block, every cough and every whistle as Labour MPs return from conferences. Tory MPs return from holidays. Some people return from foreign affairs and United Nations summits. The Independent Republic is the only place to be to find out exactly what the plots are, where the cabals are being formed and whether anything has actually changed since the last time we were down here. And we are here in Westminster for you. We are here covering anything that happens and everything that happens because we alone care about the ordinary men and women of this country. 17.4 million of you who voted to leave the European Union. Forget about parliamentary sovereignty. Forget about representative democracy. There is only one question we want the answer to, and it is this. Why the hell haven't we left the EU yet? You're listening to me, Mike Graham. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. Talk Radio, live from Westminster. So it's a bit of a dank and gloomy start to the day down here in Westminster. Only yesterday uh, we got the result of the Supreme Court hearing uh, in which it was decided that Boris Johnson unlawfully prorogued Parliament. Of course, they could have done a great many things after that. They could have decided to bring everybody back next week after the Tory party conference. They could have decided uh, to take Boris Johnson to task and make him call a general election. They could have said to Boris Johnson, maybe it's time for you to resign and get a government that can actually run the country properly of some kind of national unity. However, they did none of those things. Instead, of course, John Burko, uh, the most self-important man in the history of self-important men, decided that he would want everybody back here at 11.30 today sharp. Of course, Boris won't be here. We will be here and we'll bring you everything as it happens, when it happens. I'm delighted to say we're going to kick things off this morning. Of course, we want to hear from you as well, by the way. 03444991000. But we are kicking off this morning with Darren Grimes, a Conservative commentator, Brexit activist, a man uh, who's had a few wins of late. Darren, welcome oh, yeah. to the tent uh, down here in Westminster. Yes, yes. It's damp and dark, isn't it? On a day in which I think yesterday democracy died yes, in this country. Yes, it really country. did feel I a bit like that, that didn't yeah. it? I mean, I've been talking to 
to people throughout uh, the show yesterday and also since the show finished yesterday about what exactly this court has actually found because there's no evidence for them to have found anything really at all. We keep hearing some politicians saying, oh, well, Boris Johnson lied to the Queen. They didn't say that he lied to the Queen. No. That's absolutely not a fact. Mm -hmm. He didn't apparently uh, give them any reason to think that his motivation was one thing rather than another. So the fact that they've somehow found him guilty of, um, of something unlawful staggers me, really. Well, exactly. And the calling for him to resign and saying that he's misled the Queen when actually some of the most respected and distinguished legal minds in this country, like who have disagreed with the Supreme Court, mm. like the Master of the Rolls, the Lord Chief Justice, the President of the Queen's Bench, it's not like the Attorney General was spouting some unjustifiable no. nonsense. Right. You know, this was legal opinion that was widely held. Yes. The Supreme Court is the one, are the ones that actually went against the grain yesterday. Yes today and you've got to ask yourself why is that and, and um, i'm told as well it's very unusual for all 11 judges to go in the same exactly, direction yes exactly so you wouldn't i wonder what's going on here and i reckon actually we're entering a new era of a sort of american supreme court yeah. style you know politicization of our judiciary and that really concerns me because you've got you've just mentioned the most self-important man in britain yeah john burko he has ruined the role of the speaker mm. by politicizing it to such an extent where the next speaker is going to have to be a hyper-partisan. He's going to have to represent the party of government. Yes. So he's completely ruined that for his own self-importance, for his to satisfy his own Napoleon complex. Yeah. Um, and actually, I'm worried that that's the direction that the Supreme Court's going in. As and well. I think, and I think Tony Blair, when he set up the Supreme Court, uh, had exactly this sort exactly. of thing in mind. But you know what's interesting as well, because a lot of people are now talking about the fact that the follow-on from all of this is that there will now have to be properly a written constitution for this country to make sure that this kind of thing doesn't happen again. Because they're basically now inventing laws uh, that, uh, that the Prime Minister has somehow broken. Exactly. So this was completely unprecedented. Mm. And But haven't we seen this time and time again where Brexit, they are tearing up the rule book. And bearing in mind it is an unwritten rule book, but a rule book on the precedent and all yes. the rest of it is just to hell with it. Right. Anything to stop Brexit, anything to overturn that democratic will of 17.4 million people. And to me, I think that's absolutely disgusting. You know, these people care more about being trained to the European Union, mm. about being in the arms of Brussels, than they do about respecting and cherishing the ballot box and precedent within this country. And just to uh, keep everybody up to date on the European Union and what they get up to, yesterday apparently they just increased their private jet budget so that they can fly around from various points to well, have we asked Greta uh, what she uh, thinks Well, about Greta that. apparently not very happy about that. Right. But she's still smarting from not meeting Donald Trump. Right, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the bloke, she said she didn't want to meet uh, and then seemed to be very upset when he didn't look at her. But that's another story. I mean, the other problem I think that we've got is this kind of um, uh, rather nasty uh, side of Remain uh, and, and people who brought this case yesterday, people like Gina Miller, I mean, you know, I don't have any objection to Gina Miller doing whatever it is that she does. But what I do have an objection to is her grandstanding outside the Supreme Court, instructing the government as if she's in some way speaking for anyone at all. She's not speaking for the majority of people in this country. You're right, because yesterday she stood up and she said, Conservative Party conference is cancelled. And I thought, hang on, Gina, yeah. you've won a court case. You've yeah. not been made president. Exactly. Pet. You know, calm down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, get back to work. <laughs> but I'm, honestly, I think it is scary, the direction in which, because we're now fighting politics.
politics yes. in court, mm. outside of the arena of politics, outside of the ballot box. Who is G Gina Miller accountable to? Mm. No one. And you had Lady Hale yesterday saying that she... So, of the so it's also Force. not accountable to anyone, by the well, way. Well, yeah, exactly. But she was looking at the political motive of the Prime Minister. Yeah. Who's looking at the political motive of Gina Miller? Yeah, exactly. And who's looking at the political motive of Jeremy Corbyn? Who was looking at the political motive of uh, Tony Blair when he took us into war with Iraq uh, and hundreds and hundreds of people died? I mean, you know, the ridiculous situation we find ourselves in, as you're quite rightly saying, uh, is that we have now hijacked parliamentary democracy, mm -hmm. but the people who wanted to hijack it came from inside Parliament as well. So yesterday you had, you, it's Gina Miller, Joanna Cherry, Jolien Morm, um, you name it, all of these people have one thing in common, and that is that they are all unapologetically remain, yes. pro-remain. And the gloating that was going on, exactly. and the sort of the cheering and the punching yes. fists in the air, I mean, it was all rather unseemly, it, wasn't it, it? No, it was, it absolutely was. But then I reckon you've got to look at what all of these... The fact that they all have, they're unapologetically pro-Remain and they are cheering the fact that they have ripped up the president in this country and are taking it in a really, really dodgy direction. And so, and then they, but they have the gall to talk about the fact that they're doing this for parliamentary sovereignty. Yes. Where have they been defending parliamentary sovereignty for the past 40 years when it's been running, you know, the EU's been well, running exactly. Russia over Well, exactly. I it? mean, they, they do it when it suits them, and exactly. that is the problem. I mean, That's this morning, we're expecting uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg uh, to get up and make a statement in mm -hmm. Parliament, possibly the first statement. I'm assuming we'll open uh, with the grandstanding John Burko mm -hmm. telling us all why he's had to do this and oh, bring yeah. everybody back from conferences and holidays, and, and he'll be talking in that rather stultifying tone of his. Hand uh, on head. Hand on head, you know, where he pauses every now exactly. and again. I mean, it's as if he's acting in a Shakespearean play exactly, it is. that he's written himself, you know, mm -hmm. as and made, and made himself star as the main character. Well, no doubt we'll hear from him. Jacob Rees-Mogg apparently is very unhappy uh, about what has happened in terms of the way the court has acted. Um, he believes it's a constitutional coup, which is interesting. The Stop the Coup Brigade uh, seems to uh, be quite happy with a coup coming from the legal system in this country rather than from the actual government that was elected to run the place. Mm -hmm. Well, exactly. I mean, what does that say to you, though? They, they don't care about the government. That's because, you know why? It's a Brexit back in government. Yeah. And they will do anything they can within their power or actually to accrue more power to be able to stop Boris from implementing the democratic will. And that's what this is all about. Yeah. And once again, uh, the ob obvious opportunity for everybody to sort at least been to sort out is to have a general election but yesterday once again uh, we've had everybody from Joe Swinson to Chucka Ramuna to um, Jeremy Corbyn calling for an election we must have an election but just not yet we just don't want to have it yet Jeremy Corbyn stood up yesterday and said we need to get rid of this unelected Prime Minister yeah. well Jeremy I've got a secret for you there's a very very simple way of doing yes. that have a general election mm. try and win it then you can get rid of this so-called unelected Prime Minister I mean so so far uh, I think we probably had the most fun yesterday listening to Jeremy Corbyn's speech, mm -hmm. where it was kind of like a kind of student rant from my days of being in the National Union of Students, and the trots got up on stage. It started mm -hmm. talking about nationalising everything, punishing the rich. Mm -hmm. Shami Chakrabarti this morning talking about Boris and his posh boys. This is a woman who sends her son to Eton, for heaven's well, sake. I mean, the hypocrisy is quite breathtaking. Exactly. But then also get the ban on cars and things by 2030 oh, to yeah. get us to net zero by 2030, that's not achievable. And no. we'd, we'll all be crawling around on this mud here <laughs> next to us. Well, I mean, I think that's what they want us to do, is well, return exactly. to the primordial yeah, slide. Yeah. Oh, no, actually, I think the poorer people in society, that's what they'll expect for them. You know, they can't fly, they can't fly, no. they can't drive cars, they can't eat meat. But for them, it's all right. Yes. I saw my favourite Labour MP from Wales yesterday, Steve Doughty, mm -hmm. uh, the man who claims to have thousands of emails that he's never actually produced, that people say that 
they used to vote for Remain. Uh, sorry, used to vote for Leave, but now right. they want to vote for Remain. Uh, he was filming himself in a taxi yesterday, racing back to Westminster where nothing was happening. And I thought to myself, well, I'm sure you'll be putting that on the expenses tab, won't yeah. you, Steve? Why don't you just take the tube? Don't worry, nobody's going to recognise you. Nobody really knows who you are. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? There are so many different ways you see it in... in the way they're acting on the EU, you see the way they're acting on carbon emissions. It's just one rule for them and a different rule for other people. And it, I just, I'm re I really, really look forward to a general election actually because yeah. I can't imagine that the people listening to to your show the day, Mike, or the people outside who've been watching shenanigans in Parliament will be looking at it with any sort of love no. for the parliamentarians that are doing this, or indeed the the activists, what I think are political activists who were in court yesterday. Yeah. I reckon actually in a general election, the the, the establishment in there are going to get quite the shock. They're going to get a big kicking. They certainly mm -hmm. are, and certainly uh, pl plenty of those Lib Dem MPs who have gone across the aisle uh, have either defected from Labour or defected from mm -hmm. the Tory party. You know, they're never going to win a seat uh, anywhere unless they get a safe Lib Dem seat. And Lib Dems ain't going to give them a safe Lib Dem seat, so that's all going to go uh, for a burden. There's going to be loads of Remain MPs who get kicked out of their Leave constituencies, particularly up in the north of England. Mm -hmm. We've seen uh, Boris Johnson. Every time somebody attacks him, his popularity goes up. The polls show it. Mm -hmm. But do you know what? That absolutely warms my heart. That Because I uh, introduced Boris in 2016 in Newcastle. And um, I thought, he's a Tory. What's going to happen here? Mm -hmm. Honestly, Mike, stand an ovation. He got a stand an ovation for giving a speech on why we should vote to leave the EU. Yeah. Boris has major cut-through in a way in which other Tory politicians mm. just don't. Well, it's like that visit he made to Whips Cross Hospital. You know, mm -hmm. the main story was one exactly. guy who was a yeah. Labour activist in his face, pointing yeah. at him, telling him you've destroyed the NHS, mm -hmm. uh, which apparently turns out not to be true, believe mm -hmm. it or not, uh, because apparently his daughter is now fine because she was helped and, and aided by the NHS. Terrible. Uh, but what they didn't show was Boris Johnson arriving at the hospital to cheers, people hugging him, people shaking his hand. People love Boris Johnson. Nurses coming up to him and yeah. saying thank you for what you're doing right you know because the, there are ordinary people out there who feel a, a proper connection with boris because they think finally someone's standing up for yeah. me someone's standing up for for what i voted for in 2016 and also is i i think standing up more fundamentally for things like free speech etc yeah. um in a way in which most politicians for a very long time just haven't done mm. um and that's exciting people people feel galvanized i think and that's why this that's why they're hiding from a well, politics election. to be honest is the new showbiz I mean, lots yeah. of people want to get into it now. Lots of young people like yourself. Mm. And, and I find that very encouraging because for such a long time, it was the, it was the occupation of the, sort of the old grey men. Mm. The gammons, as Matthew Wright would call them. You know, he called me one yesterday. Not wrong with being a gammon. There's nothing wrong with it. Listen, I'm going to put out a gammon recipe book at some point. Uh, people will buy it in their millions, <laughs> their droves, I'll tell you that. But look, I mean, obviously, we are down here today to see what's going to happen. What do you think is going to happen once it all opens up? They talk about wanting to discuss Brexit. Well, what have they been doing for the last three years? Exactly. So they, they were going to lose four days by Boris's prorogation, right? They've had three and almost three and a half years, really, yeah. to debate Brexit. And all they've done is seek to prevaricate and push, kick the can mm. down the road and hope that someone will come along and say, actually, we're going to overturn Brexit now. Let's do away with that. The stupid people didn't know what they were voting yeah. for. Well, they've just done it this week. They've just said the whole last week didn't happen. Mm -hmm. The prorogation didn't happen. Exactly. They didn't say it was wrong. Therefore, we have to stop it. Uh, they basically just said, look, forget about it. It's as if it was never there. Mm -hmm. And that's what they'd like to do with Brexit. Exactly. We've seen that this is a zombie parliament. Now it's getting through. There's no legislation going through. God knows how they'll pass 
a budget. God knows how he'd win a vote of no confidence. But the fact of the matter is we've got this god-awful Lib Dem policy in the um, Fixed Term Parliament Act that is keeping the Prime Minister under lock and key. Basically, the government has no power and Parliament has all the power and it's an anti-Brexit Parliament. I think it's something like 75% of them Absolutely. back remain. Yeah. How are we supposed to get Brexit through? They're, they're going to do all they can to stop Brexit. That's what I think is going to happen. It's a zombie Parliament. Now it will happen, but they're going to be quite happy for that because it gives them more opportunity to try and stop Brexit. And the more they stop, the more Boris will get more support, I believe, and the more uh, of a victory he will have when the election finally comes. Darren, thank you very much indeed. Cheers. Darren Grimes there talking to us about what is likely to happen throughout the course of today. We want to hear from you, though, because, of course, not only uh, do you make this show what it is, we are the only people actually representing you down here because nobody else is. They don't care about you back in the Parliament building. They don't care about you uh, in some of the other media tents around me here. Uh, and some radio stations haven't even bothered to come down here today, believe it or not. So we are genuinely the voice of the people. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live on College Green because today is yet another historic day uh, in the Brexit wars that are going on currently uh, in this country. Yesterday, the Supreme Court, of course, ruled uh, that Boris Johnson prorogued Parliament unlawfully. John Burko decided uh, it was time to bring everybody back to school. And so it all kicks off at about 11.30 this morning. We want to hear from you because we are uh, the voice of the people. Uh, if we are anything here at Talk Radio, 0344 499 uh, Also, we're going to be telling you exactly what happens as it happens, when it happens, even when it doesn't happen, we'll tell you why. Ollie Cole is here with us. Ollie, uh, welcome to the show. Very good morning to you. Morning. Sterling work you've been doing down at the Supreme Court. Today, you've slightly moved uh, east-west, I, I suppose. Slightly wet, uh, moved slightly west for the moment. Um, and uh, tell us basically what you can about what's likely to happen today. So we thought we might get a better picture of this with the order paper coming out last night. Now, this is the document that sets out the agenda uh, for Parliament. It's yeah. released the night before. However... It was fairly vague. It, w it said prayers, yes. which there may be a fair few of. Well, as Matt Chorley uh, said this morning <laughs> on breakfast, I think that's probably all we got yeah. left. <laughs> um, and then uh, we'll be open for emergency debates and urgent questions. Now, yeah. uh, I believe 32 urgent questions have been submitted right. so far, which is quite a lot to get through on quite a wide-ranging uh, sort of scope of, of points. So stuff from Thomas Cook to Yemen. Yes. To, you know, I mean, I've seen people talking about domestic violence bill because apparently having now decided that the prorogation was in fact unlawful, all of the bills that were started are now sort of restartable again. Totally. Right? So all of those bills uh, basically haven't come off the table. They are still part of this parliamentary session, which means that the MPs who are trying to get them through, the committees who are trying to get them through, will, I'm sure, be asking questions today about how quickly they can do that before whatever happens mm. next. Um, we also may see Boris Johnson in the House of Commons. Uh, now, with these urgent questions, it's not up to... The, the, it doesn't have to be the PM who answers them. Right. It's up to the government to decide. Well, it's pretty decide. likely that he's not going to be here at the Well, exactly. It? So it's up to the government to decide who answers them. Now, that may very well be Jacob Rees-Mogg, yeah. uh, who is, of course, leader of the House, who may be setting out what the government's next steps are going to be. Right. I mean, his role as the sort of leader of the House is um, supposedly to be the House of Commons representative in the Cabinet. Yes. Um, which is unusual. A lot of people have been critical of that particular appointment because... As we know, Jacob Rees-Mogg is probably about as hard a Tory as you can get. And is he really representative of the House of Parliament? 
But he is well versed in Erskine May, the rules of uh, the, the House of Commons. Oh yeah, listen, sort of I'm a great stuff. fan so of Jacob Rees-Mogg. I'm not saying he shouldn't be doing it. I'm no. saying there are people who are suggesting that he is not the most neutral leader of the House that we could well, have. Well, uh, potentially, but uh, you know that, that's up to the government to, to appoint him. And obviously Boris Johnson has faith in him in, in doing that job and representing Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. There may be talk of a recess motion where... Uh, the Conservatives will try to go into recess for their party conference. So they can have a party conference, yeah. yeah. because that's still due to go ahead. Now, yesterday, uh, Labour M- some Labour MPs were saying that the party wouldn't back that. And, of course, the government don't have a majority at the minute, so mm. they are kind of up to winning some of that opposition around to get any, any motions through. This morning, Diane Abbott has left the door open for possibly backing a recess for over-Tory conference. Mm. So we may get that today. Uh, we may also see MPs urge the government to release more documents uh, on the uh, prorogation or the non-prorogation as it is now and and what happened in the lead up to that and may also try and force Boris Johnson to apologise to Mm. the Commons as well. Yes, I wonder whether that's going to happen. Ollie, thanks very much indeed. Let's take some calls because this is a big day uh, and these are the moments that you need to be listening to Talk Radio because we will be talking you through everything that happens as it happens. 0344 499 1000 is the number. Let's talk to Vernon who's in Worcester. Vernon, a very good morning to you. Michael, good morning to you. The carnage continues. It certainly does. Mike, these arrogant smug MPs that have appeared on your colleagues' shows prior to yours this morning um, yeah. are, are, quite, are quite unbelievable. The only reason why we're in this position is because they haven't implemented the wishes of the people. They're now telling Boris that he has to uh, you know, be a good boy and behave. Um, I, I disagree, personally. Uh, a couple of things I'd like you, to, uh, like you to try and find out for me. First of all, Gina Miller. I didn't realise that she was uh, an MP. I didn't realise that she was the government. No, no, uh, she's the uh, Empress of uh, Great Britain now. Did you not know that? No, no, new Queen, maybe? Should we we actually... Well, you know, anything anything can happen in the next half hour, as they say. On a serious note, Mike, do we know who's financing Gina Miller's court 
actions? Yes, I believe so. I mean, much of it is coming from crowdfunding, I understand. Much of it is also coming from her husband, who's quite a wealthy uh, businessman. So I don't think there's any great secret about that. I don't think there's any great conspiracy to be found. I think she's just meddling in something that she rather likes doing. Unfortunately, the rest of us have to put up with the meddling, uh, and it's causing a great deal of stress and anxiety to ordinary members of the public who actually voted to leave the European Union. But Vernon, listen, thanks for your call. Thanks for kicking us off. Uh, I'm going to cut you short because we've got now uh, Sir Geoffrey Clifton-Brown with us, Member of Parliament for the Cotswolds. Um, Sir Geoffrey, very good morning to you. Thank you for joining us in the tent of common sense, as we like to call it. Indeed. There's not many people down here talking common sense, I have to say. Uh, I'm hoping rather that you are going to be one of them. Um, what are you expecting to happen at 11.30 when Boris Johnson presumably is not here because he's en route from New York? Um, who's going to start speaking? Will John Burko make it his day again? Will he have another sort of day in the spotlight? So we will start at 11.30. Uh, there will be lots of points of order, mm. uh, probably lasting for uh, half an hour or so. He will then have, I would think, several applications for what is called an SO24 debate. Okay. Some of those will have binding votes at the end of them. Some of it them sounds won't. like something like something from Line of Duty. No, no, no. It's it's what we had before when, yes. when they when they made this uh, law that we had to have an extension. Yes. Um, I I would expect John Burko to interrupt that at some stage to allow the Prime Minister to make a statement. Right. We've heard that Prime Minister has now landed. Okay. So it's not going to be very long before he gets to number ten, gets his thoughts and papers mm. together, and I would think he would be over to Parliament. Uh, right. sometime before. And that. are we still in the position that we were in before prorogation, which was effectively the order paper was in the control of the opposition? Correct. Yeah. No, no, that, that was for a specified period. Okay. If the opposition wished to get control of the order paper, they have to do which it again. they may want to do today, mm. they will have to do it again. Okay. And who decides what the order of the questions is? Because we are, we're told uh, that there's been around 32 questions tabled, uh, which will be presumably put into some kind of order. Who yes. decides that? That is entirely at the gift of the Speaker. All right. Well, isn't I, that nice? Yes. It so, is. so, so he gets to choose the questions that he wants to probably cause the government the most embarrassment. Exactly, first. you've got it right. Yeah. To, to cause the most embarrassment, to cause the most difficulty in getting a deal, because don't forget, all of this Supreme Court ruling mm. taking over the order paper is making it much more difficult for the Prime Minister to negotiate a deal, which is frankly what we all want—a deal rather than yeah. uh, this prolonged uncertainty for businesses and people of the country, as you were saying. And do you think that this Supreme Court ruling from yesterday? is uh, sort of done and dusted, as it were. Is that the end of it? Because a lot of people making noise at top levels in the Tory party that they're not happy with this decision, Boris Johnson being one of them. Uh, Jacob Rees-Mogg supposedly telling people that this is a constitutional coup. Uh, there doesn't appear, from my point of view, to be any actual evidence that there was anything unlawful done at all. I well, the Supreme Court has made its judgment. For the time being, that is a settled matter. So we've got to move forward with that. As I say, try and find a solution to this stalemate that appears at the moment. We can't get a, a European Union uh, exit agreement through. We can't hold a general election. That is what we've got to. We've got to get a, a problem to the a, a solution to the European problem, and then a general election to try and confirm that by the people of this country. Okay, so Geoffrey, thank you very much indeed, thank you, Mike. So Geoffrey Clifton Brown, uh, member of Parliament for the Cotswolds. I'm joined now by Lord Heseltine. A uh, very good morning to you, Lord Hello, Heseltine. You. Thank you for coming back into the tent. We had such a good chat the last time you were here. Yeah, now um, we are back where we were. In fact, more or less the last time you and I spoke, aren't we? I mean, nothing has really changed since the prorogation happened. Although, of course, we now know it didn't happen. Well, I think that there's a lot in what you say, and that is the ongoing situation. There is an impasse over Brexit, I, I understand that. But I think that the decision of the High Court 
has done something for the reputation of the government and um, uh, the way they're behaving, which has worsened the situation. Mm. I think possibly going to the Supreme Court has worsened the situation, hasn't it? Because we've now got a situation where people are calling for a written constitution. I mean, the knock-on effect long-term of this Supreme Court judgment seems to me to be far more damaging in a way to the way that the British political system works than actually anything to do with the European Union. Well... There are two issues, um, and I don't share this um, Armageddon view about the uh, intervention of the justices, because I can remember as a cabinet minister, I'm probably talking about the early 80s, being judicially reviewed, uh, and I lost. Uh, and I can tell you exactly what it was, that uh, I took a decision about local government, and the local government uh, affected put in a argument about 20 minutes before I announced my decision. Mm. And I was taken to court on the basis that I hadn't considered the new submission yes. before I took the decision, which I hadn't, in right. fairness, so because were you I judged didn't even know. So were you judged to have done something unlawful? Yes, then? yes. Right. I, and I, I didn't even know it had come in. It had come into the department. It hadn't got mm. to my official and Did that damage your reputation? Well, it got me a bad headline. No, I mean, not epoch-making headline. No. But, but the only point I'm making is that there has been an increasing use of judicial review of ministerial decisions uh, from, I think mine was one of the earlier ones, but it got more and more as time went on. Uh, so it's no surprise to me um, that the ultimate question of our time for roguing Parliament to, so, to close down pre the, the accountability of members of Parliament is uh, judiciable and uh, the government has lost. But perversely, it may well happen again uh, in order to uh, have Tory party conference. Uh, well, that would be a decision that the government had to take. I think they would be pretty But then it wouldn't hesitant. be unlawful. But, I mean, they may decide to suspend Parliament or they may decide to have a recess in order to have Tory party conference. In any event, what it apparently means is that, you know, Parliament is not sitting. Well, the government would have to consider whether this is lawful. They'd have to take advice. They have now got a 28-page... Do you think I they think need a new Attorney-General who seems to be giving them the wrong well, advice? Well, I think we don't know what the Attorney-General said. And, uh, of course, Parliament will ask to see the advice. But in the end, frankly, it's the, the Prime Minister who takes the decisions. And there will have been other members of his team playing an active role. Yes. So and, of course, the High Court agreed with him as well that it was entirely lawful what he did. Yes. So, I mean, it's a very complicated issue. The main problem for me and for an awful lot of people listening to us now uh, is this. This is, seems to, to be just another manoeuvre by people who don't want to leave the European Union to, to block any kind of passage of movement by a government that wants to make it happen. Yes, but that is, of course, what the Brexiteers want to say. Well, because that's yeah, the truth, isn't it? No, it's not the truth. The fact of the matter is that the, the justices went out of their way to make it clear this was not about Brexit. This was about proroguing Parliament. Mm. And to anyone who cares about the freedoms of our country... Closing down Parliament is a massive... But it happens at this time every year, doesn't it? No, no, not in the way that it happened this time. Yeah, I know, but it's uh, not, it still happens no, quite no, often. Yeah, it never happens on for this period of time and with such an obvious purpose. Um, and so attempts, now, bizarrely... Attempts, sorry, attempts to try and confuse the John Major prorogation are malign. Uh, it was suggested that he was trying to prorogue Parliament to prevent the publication of a report 
at that time, the Colcott Report. The truth is, Tony Blair... Which was, was, which was sorry, a rather anti-John Major report. Yes, it, well, it turned out to be. We didn't know at the time. Uh, Tony Blair became Prime Minister, and it was another six months before that report was ready for publication. So it's a complete canard to try and link these two events. I think John Major realised what was going to be said, but that's another story. We're not talking about history. Let's talk about what you would say to anyone now who asks you, why are we not leaving the European Union since we voted to do so? Because the basis on which we voted was a pack of lies. No, it wasn't. Oh, sorry, you asked me whether I, what I would say, not what you would say. It was a pack of lies. Everyone knows the bus, the 350 million. Which was true. And, uh, well, it, it certainly was not true. And um, the, the allegations of the way the European works, uh, the idea that some not, uh, remote bureaucracy is ridiculous to anyone who knows what goes on. And the best example of this is where's Boris Bean trying to get a new deal? He's been off to see Angela Merkel and uh, Macron of France. Yeah. That's where he's been. Because the nation states and he says are that the he's ones get a the deal. nation states are the ones that make the final decision in Europe, and uh, what we're doing is to abandon our, uh, the, the, the voice and influence of Britain in the emerging European Union, and that is an appalling thing to do to, to young generations to deny them this incredible opportunity. In your view. Well, in the view of, fortunately, of, huge proportions yeah. of young generations. Well, yeah, but not in, view, not in the view in favor. of the majority of the people who voted in this country. I well, no, but they were, they were uh, of course, bribed. No, they weren't. They That's were. not true well, at all. Well, you, you may not Absolutely believe not that, true. but that is my it's not a question view. of belief. £150 million well pounds a week was on the bus. Yeah, and, and, that, is the, and, that, is, and that will happen. Well, it, 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 the extra money is not there. It's not there we now because we haven't left yet, as but, you would say. But, but, no, but the announcement about the extra money has already been made by Theresa May and it is coming from extra borrowings. Yes, well, you know a lot about that, being having been in many Tory governments before that borrowed an awful lot of money. But Lord Hesselside, uh, thank you All governments borrow money exactly. because uh, they have to, but the Tory, this government has been getting the ratios down until now suddenly it seems that we're spending without recourse. Mm. Lord Hesselstein, thank you very much indeed. Welcome back to Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are live on College Green. Yes, we are back. Last week didn't happen. Uh, everyone's forgotten about the prorogation uh, because we were told very, very firmly yesterday by the Supreme Court uh, that we should forget all about it uh, and nobody's ever allowed to do it ever again. I'm delighted to say I'm now joined uh, by Quentin Letts from The Times and John Rental from The Independent. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, I hope you're both listening keenly to the traffic report there because, of course, the motorcade uh, containing Boris Johnson is uh, hot-footing ah, its way right. to Westminster from Heathrow. Uh, so we don't want any hold-ups, do we? <laughs> he should take the Heathrow Express. Much well, like he it. should, actually, yeah, because he can pretend it's part of the, what they now call Crossrail, can't he? Because I think they now yeah. call it the only part of Crossrail that's working <laughs> because it was already working before Crossrail started. John, uh, you must have been beside yourself with the history-making of yesterday. Uh, I was. Um, I was in the Brighton Press Centre... Uh, getting ready to listen to uh, Jeremy Corbyn's speech. Yeah. Oh, no, it's Tom Watson's speech. It was Tom speech, Watson's speech. I was yeah. getting ready to, to listen to. Poor Tom. Uh, when the entire uh, press centre obviously tuned into Lady mm. Hale with her spider brooch. Yeah. Um, and uh, gasped in astonishment at the absolute, uh, overwhelming, emphatic decision yeah. against the government. Well, I did not gasp in astonishment because it may come as no surprise that I actually predicted it would happen uh, yeah. at 10 o'clock because I thought there's no way the Supreme Court is going to allow the Prime Minister. To, to get away with this because if they do he will then do everything else that he thinks he can get away with and so this was almost like a warning shot Quentin what do you think well I think they probably 
couldn't resist getting involved in the politics as well. I think judges are quite enjoying this, and uh, they're enjoying their prominence. But what worries me, and I, I'm, not, I'm not taking this as a, uh, something that I approve of, but I worry that uh, now that the judiciary are seen by the public to be immersing themselves in this, um, they're, they're, they're now part of the scrum, and yeah. I think they might get their ears cauliflowered a bit. Well, I think you're absolutely right there, because one of the things I was wondering about reading through the judgment is there doesn't appear to be any actual evidence. You know, call me old-fashioned, uh, but normally in a court of law... Well, let's be honest, Mike, we don't really understand the law, we not. <laughs> well, but, no, they've just um, made new law. There is no law. They've just made law up, basically. Well, maybe they don't. I don't I, I'm not qualified remotely to know exactly what they've done, but the impression, as journalists, I think we are able to report on what the public thinks. Yes. And the public thinks... Uh, it's the, another the, story the, 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 you know, This is part of Remain uh, uh, activity, and the public also think that certainly this is related to Brexit, even though they're saying it's not related to Brexit. Yeah. I mean, when you see sort of Ian Blackford and Caroline Lucas like some kind of, you know, Fleetwood Mac tribute act outside the Supreme Court shaking their <laughs> fists in the air, I thought they were going to uh, break, break into, you know, don't stop thinking about tomorrow. But, you know, at the end of the day, there does need to be surely evidence. All they've really ruled on is the fact that they think that Boris Johnson uh, might have had a motive uh, which was other than the one that he said he had to prorogue Parliament. To me, that's not breaking any law. Well, no, well, it is actually, because that's what the Supreme Court said. The Supreme Court. That's what uh, I mean. They just kind of made it up. Though. Its decision is definitive. No, it didn't. But the, but the point is, Mike, that actually it has, I mean, sensational though it was, it has remarkably little effect. Yeah. I mean, it means that MPs are, are going to be in there uh, in, in uh, what is it, half an hour's time. Yeah. But they haven't got anything to do. They no. haven't got anything to discuss. No, there's they, only 32 questions have been put down. Well, very exciting. Yeah. But I mean, the point. But the point is, which the Supreme Court just ignored completely, mm. was the fact that suspending Parliament may have been a terrible thing to do, but it didn't stop Parliament passing the law mm. against the government to rule out a no-deal Brexit and then in, at the end of October. So, you know, a lot of this is, is, is storm and noise about nothing. Well, I think a lot of it, uh, John, also is about the legal and political um, status quo people saying, we are still in charge. I think quite a lot of it was symbolic. And uh, they wanted to show, mm. it, was, it was chest beating, I think we better call it. Those, uh, you could apply, <laughs> you could sort of say another part of the anatomy that was being waved around. <laughs> chest beating here yeah, by the, the establishment. <laughs> but as John says, uh, what are they going to talk about? Yeah. Well, exactly. and I think it's possible. Is it but not that possible that um, next week they're going to adjourn for the Conservative Party conference anyway? Well, no, Jeremy Corbyn doesn't want to do that, but we'll see. But no, you're absolutely right, Quentin. I mean, this is, this is about the, the legal order uh, is re-establishing itself. And, and, but that is very important because one of the, the ideas that was running away with people was this idea that, that Boris Johnson could just ignore the law and take us out of the European Union without a deal at yes. the end of, end of but October. But of course, he's not Re saying that, is he, though? It's everybody else that's saying that's what he's going to do. Well, except that I'm afraid that, so that sources in Number 10 have, have allowed journalists to uh, run away with that opinion. Uh, and, and, you know, we, it is now absolutely evident that if Boris Johnson tries to do anything of that kind, Lady Hale with her spider brooch will be coming down on him like a ton of bricks and will stop him. Uh, so, so the idea that there's some kind of escape Although she route. did specifically say when she was talking before the ruling came out that this was not about either leaving Brexit without, a, uh, leaving the EU without a deal or leaving on October no, 31st. It, it so why would she suddenly involve herself in that? Well, because that would be breaking the law. Well, it wouldn't I mean, be, though, because the EU law transposes the no, no, uh, no, British law when the, an EU law says we leave on the 31st of October. Yes, but the British law says that this says that we can't unless we've got a deal. So you thought we didn't and know about the law. We know a lot about the law. Well, you know more than I do. <laughs>
Here's another question for you guys. I'm just a guys, sketch though. writer. Here's, a, here's another question for you guys. What about the evil genius Dominic Cummings? You know, is he still running all the plays would be my question. Because if he is, then they've just wasted a good eight or nine days and got even closer to October 31st than we were before the prorogation uh, that happened didn't happen. Yeah, well, no, I, Dominic- think, I think all these things are incredibly beltway, inside the beltway stuff. Uh, if you go outside the M25, do people know who Dominic Cummings is? I'm not sure that I many, don't think so. I'm not sure many of them do. What are the electoral consequences of yesterday's uh, very big news? It was very big news. Mm. It was reported everywhere. But what do people understand about that and how does it affect their votes? I, well, I, I suspect that it will get the Leave vote out. I think it will definitely get the leave vote out. And every time, um, it's a bit like Donald Trump for me. Whenever uh, Boris Johnson is attacked and seemingly ganged up on, um, people will vote for yeah. him in bigger numbers. And this is the Cummings strategy. Yeah. The Cummings strategy is to uh, put a stick into the hornet's nest, uh, to cause mayhem, and then, as a result of that, to make it plainer to the voters what is going on and, and what Cummings would want us to believe. I'm not saying this is the case, but I'm saying what Cummings would want us to believe is that the establishment is trying to stiff Brexit, exactly trying to right. stop it. And, yeah. that, and that is completely consistent with Dominic Cummings all the way through. I mean, his, his He's an agent to chaos. His yeah. signature move was to put the £350 million on the side of the bus, and that made Remainers absolutely furious, completely yeah. beside themselves with indignation. So all they did was talk about it, it was just rubbed home the message. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and this, is, this is what Dominic Cummings <laughs> is doing. Is doing Lord Hesselside is still talking about it. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Had him here. He's yeah. Like, sort of steam coming out of his, his every, every, every sort of bit, bit of it. But, <laughs> I mean, all that is true, but so far, everything Dominic Cummings has tried has, has been a complete failure. And this idea. Well, it you know, hasn't been a complete failure well, because the country voted to leave. Well, that depends, yes, but, doesn't it? But, we, but on it's not going to get us out of the European Union at the end of, at the end of October. No, but what it might rate, do, it, yes. if, if they are trapped, uh, if the Conservatives can't get us out by the 31st, it might rub home to the electorate that Boris was doing everything possible Absolutely. to try and get us out. Yeah. And that makes the, the Leave voters think, oh, well, maybe we, we like Nigel Farage, yes. but we think Boris is a good guy too. You're absolutely right. The, the, if there These is a general the election, then, then Boris Johnson is in, is, is in a reasonable place to try and fight it. But yeah. he would much rather have got us out by the end he of October. And, and, and the point is that everything he's tried so far has been counterproductive. Well, I mean, that depends on quite how deep you want to go into the, uh, the machinations of the Cummings mind, because maybe actually <laughs> Boris wants to be Prime Minister for a very long time, and the longer this takes, the better it works no, for No, I don't think that works, Mike. I mean, you know, obviously... You're always poo-pooing my theories. Well, I disagree. You know, but Boris Johnson's best route to being Prime Minister for a very long time would have been to get us out on, on the 31st of October. Not necessarily, because it could have all gone horribly wrong, but that's another story. <laughs> I'm going to take a call now. Quentin, I know you've got to rush off. Thank you very much indeed. Quentin Letts from the Times. Read his sketch tomorrow because it will be, I'm sure, absolutely riddled um, with the usual wit, repartee and everything else that you provide for us. Thank you very much indeed. John Rental's still here with us. Uh, let's go to Robert in Dulwich. Hello, Robert. Uh, morning, gents. Um, Good morning. Do you know, when you look at the history of uh, British democracy and you look at how it evolves through the last five, six, seven hundred years, and the reason we're called the cradle of civilization is the people uh, in, ahead of Europe, we managed to get ourselves closer to power. Um, Magna Carta, habeas corpus, Bill of Rights, all these you know, parliamentary democracy. Um, we got closer to it. And although uh, constitutionally we're not recognized as a mob to people, what worries me with what happened yesterday, in the last three years, we've seen John Burko try and re-establish or, or, or make parliamentary sovereignty even stronger by going against centuries of protocols and, and basically favouring Parliament, because we know that Parliament is Remain. 
Yesterday, what you saw was a new layer insert itself above parliamentary sovereignty because I'm reading this that prerogatives can now be challenged. And it won't happen all the time, but when there's a real sort of, when there's a period of tumultuousness or when we've got something really contentious to be debated, in the back of the government's mind, they can get something through, get the prerogative uh, uh, royal assent given, and now there's a chance that someone takes it to court and it gets decided by a judiciary. We, we've just managed to move backwards in democracy. As the way I see democracy, people see it in different ways. By inserting another layer between ourselves and, uh, and for our representatives in Parliament who ultimately wield our authority. Yeah, it's a very good point, actually, uh, Robert. Thanks very much for making it. Let's talk to Jack Drovey now, Labour MP for Birmingham, uh, Edgington, uh, because he makes a good point, doesn't he, Jack? I mean, his, is this now um, sort of entering a new chapter for Parliament? Because I think Robert's quite right. I mean, it could happen another time whenever somebody feels like challenging the government. The highest court in the land, the Supreme Court, uh, has acted to defend democracy, not to undermine democracy. What the government had sought to do, what Boris Johnson thought he could get away with, was to shut down Parliament and potentially drive through a no-deal Brexit. The judges have not decided on the merits one way or the other of Brexit. What the judges have done is that in a parliamentary democracy, and we are Britain, we are British, in a parliamentary democracy, the Parliament should be able to hold the government to account. I think their decision was... Uh, it was a landmark of that, there's absolutely no doubt, and it sent the clearest possible message that, I stress again, we are a democracy and that but we the question never is, allow Boris Johnson to tear that up. But the question, Jack, is whether this could then be used in the future, because this has set a bit of a precedent, I would say, hasn't it? It sends a message to any government that what they cannot do uh, is to shut down six centuries of parliamentary democracy. I think that's a good thing, not a bad thing. What we've now got to do is to get back to seeking to find a way forward on Brexit. Uh, and what we ran the risk of, had Boris Johnson been able to get away with it, is a no-deal Brexit, which would be catastrophic for our country. I've been in discussions over the last two days. Not everybody believes that, of course. Well, uh, I know there are those who believe they know more about making cars than those who make cars, more about building Well, people that talk about the car industry the, know the car industry is a lot of trouble. But, uh, I mean, it, let's not rehearse all the old arguments. Well, ex except that, I've been talking to the voices of the world of work, both employers uh, and trade unions, over the last 48 hours at our conference. They are unanimous in expressing the view that a no-deal Brexit would be catastrophic, and the evidence is already there. The economy is slowing down, investment decisions are being held back, you're starting to see decisions to move vital functions overseas, all as a consequence of the continuing uncertainty over there's, Brexit. There's quite a lot of evidence that investments are coming into the country. Let me ask John Rental, who's still here with us, uh, about what was said there about the, the Supreme Court. Because at oh, the well, end no, of the I day... Agree with, I agree uh, with Jack. I mean, uh, I'm not talking about in this instance. I'm saying that, you know, given that this has now been a sort of an established thing that one could do, is it not possible that it could be used again? No, but, but, but the point about what the Supreme Court said was that it said that Parliament must decide. Parliament must sit and Parliament must decide uh, what it wants to do on behalf of the British people. Mm. That is, that is, yeah, but it's taking is, a very long time to decide. The Supreme Court didn't decide anything. No, right. Um, I mean, obviously, people disagree with the Supreme Court decision if they, if they are supporters of a no-deal Brexit because it makes it harder. 
but it, that wasn't what it that wasn't what it decided. But I mean, but I disagree with Jack on. Uh, I mean, I mean, sorry, I I agree with Jack that a no deal Brexit is not ideal. In which case, people like Jack ought to be voting for the deal that was that was in front of that them. That is the problem and because they, talking about holding the government to account. I mean, you've been holding the government to account for three and a half years, and literally nothing has happened. They haven't been able to do anything. There's t two immediate priorities. The first is to prevent a no-deal Brexit, but the second is, and John, I agree, is that it's crucial that a deal is done and a deal is done as quickly as possible. Well, well why didn't you vote uh, for it, Jack? Well, well, you could have done it, the, because the deal did not go far enough on offer. Uh, now, yeah, but, if, but by not just, voting for it, you just, risked having a uh, no-deal Brexit. Uh, well, just, just, just to answer your question, that's not is that if, um, uh, if Boris Johnson was to bring back the May deal with perhaps some improvements, the kind of which we saw that were being negotiated between the two front benches, then there might be the grounds for a deal. But what I'm being told by the world of work, and I'm saying now the employers in the world of work, is that the indication that they're getting from Number 10 Downing Street is that that deal will be nowhere near as good enough as that which was rejected three times by Parliament. Now, that cannot be right. I mean, Boris Johnson has got to stop playing political games, uh, looking over his shoulders at the uh, ERG, uh, seeking to uh, outflank the Brexit party, and to focus on, as we must, the next uh, great objective after we stop a no-deal Brexit, which is how soon can a good deal, a better deal for Britain be done? How soon can we have a general election, Jack? Oh, I, a general election is absolutely inevitable. I, what I think we are absolutely right to do is to say that the first priority is to prevent a no-deal Brexit. Uh, and we, that is in the national interest. I think the people of this country would say the first priority is to have a general election. Uh, the and then decide after that whether Brexit can happen as people have voted for it to happen, or then perhaps have a second referendum, or perhaps, you know, take the Lib Dems' view and say we just cancel it. But a general election is what needs to be done, from what the people talk to me say. There will be a general election of that, there will be no doubt. Uh, but to take our eye off that key objective of preventing a, a no-deal Brexit, uh, it would be fundamentally wrong. And you're, you're scared you're, to have one, aren't you? Oh, no. You'll forgive me, <laughs> you if, are. I, you'll forgive me if I say it. Um, but when Boris Johnson says, trust me, if I was to shake his hand, I'd count my fingers afterwards. Would you? We do I'd not, do the same with Jeremy we, Corbyn. We do not trust Boris Johnson. Therefore, uh, across party, across party, uh, we will stop a no-deal Brexit. A general election will then take place. Of that, there is absolutely no doubt. But to do otherwise would be to let down the national interest. We're determined to act in the national well, interest. Well, you might be surprised that people don't agree with that. But thank you very much, Jack, for joining us. Jack Tromey there. Uh, John Rental's still here. Uh, he may have had enough already by now, so he wants <laughs> to go. Uh, but uh, we'll be watching every uh, step of the way for you right here on Talk Radio. We're the only radio station covering this live as it happens every single day. We'll probably be here uh, for the rest of time, I think. Now, we're joined uh, by David Morris, Conservative MP for Morecambe, uh, who's with us now. Uh, welcome to the, uh, to, the, to the tent of Commons sense, as I say. Um, just before uh, we stop talking to Henry here, um, we heard Geoffrey Cox talking about a possible way out mm -hmm. of this particular sort of uh, quadrangle that we find ourselves trapped in. And what was that? That was the idea of using a one-line bill to uh, make an exemption from the Fixed-Term Parliaments Act and hold a general election. Now, this has a big advantage over the usual procedures mm. in that it allows you to specify the date of the general election in law. Now, the reason the opposition parties are refusing to grant the Prime Minister an election they claim is because because they think that he will use his power as Prime Minister to move the it's date. It's because they don't trust yeah. him. Effectively. But he won't be able to do that if the date is set out in legislation. So it will strip the House of the, the Opposition of their last sort of 
defence mm. against holding a general election, if then if they still refuse one, it will be obvious to the country that it, they are doing so for political reasons. But they could still refuse. They could. In terms they could of still a vote, refuse. Presumably it, in uh, inside the chamber. Um, David, first of all, Hi. to you. Um, Boris Johnson speaking at around about four thirty this afternoon. Yes. Um, I'm not going to ask you to give anything away, um, and you may not even know the answer. I but what's he going to say? I don't know. Is the truth? What should he say? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of things that the prime minister could say and maybe will not, but. You know, I, I've been in there listening to the majority of what, um, well, Jeffrey's been saying, and the courts have ruled it as unlawful. Now, what that, I didn't hear about um, what you were saying before about the general election uh, business we were talking about. This is something that's been mentioned before, though, isn't it? It has been mentioned, but then again, you know, if he does set a date of an election, would it start now? Would it go over the 31st? We don't know. And I brought this with you. I know that um, your listeners can't see this. But it's an order paper, yeah. and it's blank. <laughs> and I've never seen that before. And it says here, urgent questions, ministerial statements, if any, in brackets. That's extraordinary. And I think it's right. Burko brought us back prematurely. He should have brought us back after the conference. Mm. I think we will be having a conference. I don't know if that's going to go full term. I really don't know any of this. Because all I'm looking at is what you're looking at. Mm. You know, we've no menu or... Um, ladder to go on on the, the order paper it's fluid well it really is and also i think for the public listening to this show uh, as they do uh, there's quite a lot of anger out there about the grandstand oh, that's going on all the kind of positioning uh, and the jostling for position uh, and trying to you know uh, make sure that everybody knows that you are on the side of the people i mean if everybody yeah. keeps saying that i think the people are going to actually get quite revolting uh, in the way that they respond because oh, I, totally I keep i mean i had jack dromey on saying uh, that he wanted to do what was in the interest of the country yeah. which apparently is not, according to him, having an election. Yeah. What's Hard really, to believe. Well, what's really important, I think, is the way that this highlights how the fixed-term Parliament Act has really shut the people out of the conversation. Mm. Because look at the way we're talking about Boris Johnson's premiership, as if it's a string of disasters, which in many ways it has been. Mm. But the important thing is that he's 10 to 15 points ahead in the polls. Yeah. It would previously be inconceivable for us to talk about a prime minister in that position in the terms we are. And the only reason that we are is because, because of the fixed-term Parliament Act, the opposition has taken the people out of the equation. They can block an election. And that means that we're stuck being subjected to this kind of sort of elite parlour mm. games without the option of going to the people and getting a, yeah. and getting a decisive I mean, judgment. when we talk about things like the fixed-term parliament and even the setting up of the Supreme Court, David, I mean, I wonder whether we should have been as, uh, uh, as willing to scrutinise those particular motions and movements at the time that they were being made. Because I don't remember anybody saying, you know, by, by the way, uh, if we invent a Supreme Court, this could happen. We never had that conversation. No, we didn't. And at the time when we did prorogate, you know, we did have discussions about this. This mm. wasn't just a case of us walking off into the sunset. We actually went through a procedure, and it was upheld. Yeah. So, you know, what has been what the precedence has been set today is that um, the Supreme Court have, have deemed it unlawful. So, therefore, it's now going across into the legislative measures of our constitution. And I think. You know, there will be repercussions of this for many, many years to come. But it, it must be noted that Clement Attlee did the same tactic three times in 1948. Mm. And I think, you know, John Major did the same thing in the 90s, even though he's been in court bleating on mm. with, with other yes, rather disenfranchised people, you know. It's telling yeah. that Tony Blair, who, who set up the Supreme Court, made, I think, one passing mention of it in his uh, biography. Yeah. And if you read the reports from the time, there was no proper scrutiny of this decision. There was no even good case for this decision. No. It was just done because it felt modern. It yes. was part of the constitutional right. reform agenda. And there was, no, there was no proper thought given to the consequences, which we're living with now. No, in fact, I was really 
reading a piece this morning, I can't remember exactly where, about how most European countries have a very different court system, you know, uh, and it is very much a system which is um, the rule of law always goes through there rather than through their parliaments, whereas mm. we don't. We have a parliamentary common legal law. system yeah. of yeah. common law, which is very different. And I was, I've been saying this since yesterday, and I was very glad to see the Attorney General uh, saying exactly the same thing, that they basically invented a new law and then accused Boris Johnson of breaking it. They, that's exactly what they did. Another problem we've got is we've no constitution. Right. So well, we do have a constitution. Well, it's unwritten. It's uncodified. Yeah, uncodified. So we, you know, so <laughs> we, we're getting that way now. That, <laughs> you know, with all this going on, it's, it's time we should have a written oh, constitution. No. But if they change the unwritten constitution, then surely we don't have a constitution anymore because it's unwritten for the ground on, only on the basis that everybody should behave. It's a bit like inventing Twitter um, and expecting everybody to behave <laughs> properly <laughs> on it because yeah. if they did, it would be brilliant. But because they don't, it's not. That's yeah. not true. That's not true. The organ- uh, we, have an or- we have a constitution which evolves organically, but it's not as if there aren't means available for the government to remedy this. Australia, for example, put judicial review, which is the process mm. under which the courts have expanded their power, on a statutory footing and placed limitations on it. We've chosen not to do that. A future government could choose, for example, to abolish the Supreme Court and rem- uh, return the judges to the House of Lords. And they might choose to do that or they might not. But I think it's important to remember that the Fixed Term Parliaments Act is an example of what happens when you try to codify what was a very small part of the constitution. No one can foresee all the consequences, it doesn't work as intended, and you end up with genuine substantive political discussions being replaced by proxies, arguments over the rules. And also you need more lawyers. Absolutely, even idea. more lawyers. Can you imagine why how, long, so how, how long it would take to actually draw up and draft a constitution it, under which we would operate? It, I mean, well, we'd be here until um, not, I think the sun probably burns out. Well, yeah. funnily enough, we did one um, with the Constitutional Reform Committee over a period of five years, and it's as thick as a telephone directory, an old telephone directory. It's over an inch thick, right. it really is. And the idea was that it was Graham Allen who was, um, he was the Labour chair of it, but very you know, non-political. Right. And the idea was that one day somebody may want to have a written constitution and delve into this work that we did. And we went, we, we looked at everything, you know, from other, other constitutions around the world and put it all in there. It's, it's quite um, a good read if you're into that kind of thing, but I'll tell you what, it'd, good do, it'd do very well I to... If I ever find myself in a, in a Siberian gulag, <laughs> yeah. I'll send for one. I think you yeah. Less than until that happens, I don't think I will. How much longer, though, can we go on with this political charade? Because I think oh. that's what we have now found ourselves in. Yeah. Either, I, I either of you should Look, answer that. I mean, if it was up to me, I, I also think that you know, the only way of solving this nonsense is a general election, because it's... It, it's going to the stage now where you've got um, no more than 20 people on either side of the arguments, neither side of the bench is stopping Brexit from occurring. And, we, you know, we had a referendum. The, we voted as a nation to come out. And you could argue to the nth degree it was a 52-48. We've lost votes in there on one vote. You could argue that down to the yeah. nth degree. You yeah. know, the, the, the 49.5 and the 0.5 that was Well, was you famously had whatever. that one... The uh, Welsh the Assembly election. You had yeah. that, you had that famous lo- uh, uh, vote that was won by one vote because of the woman who... Joe Churchill the, the, uh, the, uh, the anklet on. <laughs> exactly. You know? That's, that's uh, just one of many I'm yeah. going on about. I've lost count how many we've lost by one in there. I think it really comes down at this point to the, sh- to the shamelessness of the opposition because they've previously been saying that they're not going to hold mm. an election because they think that Boris Johnson could use procedural chicanery to move the date to after October yeah. 31st. If... Jeffrey Cox brings in a one-line bill that specifies the date in legislation, then that, ero- that removes that consideration mm. because they will know exactly 
when the general election will be held and Boris Johnson wouldn't be able to change it. And then it will be up to them. Do they say, actually, we're just going to be honest about this. We're just keeping you here to yeah. force you to extend to do you damage. Or will they say, right, that's it. We're willing on those conditions to go to the people and try and get an But answer. obviously the date would be very important, would it not? Because yes, if, absolutely. It, if it was anywhere near October the 31st, um, or shortly thereafter, which would then it couldn't, become it an wouldn't election be our, It wouldn't be after or the opposition wouldn't vote mm. for it. But even if you set it, say, a week before October 31st, that would be enough time for an alternative government to write a letter to, to, to extend Article 50, or even if the Liberal Democrats got their way to revoke Article mm. 50. You don't need much time to do that. Right. Is there a sense, David, that inside the Houses of Parliament, for a lot of MPs, that this is going to be the last time that uh, they are working here? Because when the, when the election does come, an awful lot of them are going to lose their positions. Well, it's bizarre if you look at the way that the bones are going to be cast across the country. You know, it varies in different regions of the country and in different seats. Um, you know, in my seat, for instance, if you look on one, there's a famous one called electoral calculus. It's going to say that the Brexit vote is going to damage me. Mm. But at the last election that we had a, a substantial Brexit vote was in 2015. It took from the Labour Party. So, you know, if you look at the history of where the voters are and the types of, you know, categories and demographics of your voters... It doesn't frighten me one bit, to be quite frank. But there are some, say, the Liberal Democrat seats, where you, you've got, like, a Liberal Democrat seat that's lost and Labour's on the rise there. They're going to argue amongst themselves on who's going to be the Remain party, and it could split, and we could have all weird mm. and wonderful results all across the country. Well, it, so, it'll be as unknown, in a exactly, way, as, it, as what we're going through now. And what will it do long-term, um, Henry, to the Conservative Party, do you think? What, what, what an election? Well, all of this. All of it. I think this is really kind of solidifying the sense that there is a realignment going on with the Conservative Party because, you know, there is a realignment in British politics and it's understandable in a two-party system that one party rep comes to represent each side. And I think that really what these... I wrote the other day that I think the Supreme Court judgment could be the Maastricht moment for mm. sceptics of judicial power. It could be the moment that what was previously a sort of inchoate... Um, tendency solidifies into a movement. I think that this will only deepen the Conservative Party's commitment to Brexit and the Prime Minister's commitment mm -hmm. to Brexit, but it will also make the Conservative Party much more alive to the challenges of judicial power, and that yeah. is likely yeah. to be a dividing line Definitely. in our country in the 2020s with the Conservative Party on one side of it. And that improves the party, do, do you think? Well, I, you know, I've just been sat in there, and what I felt was not anger or not like yesterday, mm. You know, I mean, I, I got married on Saturday. I should have been going on. I should have been on television right now. Um, thank you. Thank you very much. But you could be the shortest marriage ever. At this rate. <laughs> you can never get to see her, are you? <laughs> she works with me, so oh, I'm okay, right. you know. Okay. But, um, no, see, on a serious note, there was no sort of... It wasn't yaboo like it normally is. Mm. It was quite measured. Mm. Now, whether that's because Jeffrey Cox simmered it down, I just don't know. But I didn't sense... There was catastrophe on the horizon like I have done many times over the past few weeks in, in the Commons sat there and debated. So do you I, expect I Commons it. to be open for another couple of days till the weekend? Or Look, I don't know, but my guess is, if, if, you know, for what it's worth, I think that we'll be here till tomorrow. I think we'll be going back. We'll have the party conferences. There'll, there'll be a lot of extrapolation of what's gone on over the past few days because, again, it's, you know, we've got a blank order paper. It's extraordinary, isn't it? So just uh, fill it in it yourself, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, I just DIY order paper. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't give me ideas. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show ten to one Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. 
The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.